Today's episode of Cinema Gush is brought to you by the new Old West. Take everything you love about the Old West and jump to the present day. Horses? Nah, man. Motorcycles. Saloons? Try a local dive bar. Texas? Well, that's still Texas. If there's one thing that doesn't change, it's good old-fashioned revenge. But maybe twist it with a bit of lime and tequila and truth-telling. And stranger, you've got yourself a recipe for something so delicious as it doesn't even need salt on the rim rim rim. The new Old West. It does what the Old West done did, and does a newer. You gonna be alright? Groovy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of Cinema Gush. We've got a very special guest today. I'm Nick, joined by Brendan as always. And today we're talking to Mr. J. Ryan Parker, who is the co-host of the Killer Serials podcast. Mr. J., how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you? Amazing. Excellent. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. We're excited about it. I'm so excited that you picked yet another movie that I had never heard of, and I'm so sad that it's taken me this long to watch it. Yeah, man. What a beautiful flick. This is... I'm so delighted because it's way better than saying, hey, guys, let's talk about this movie, and you're like, no, that we've seen it. It yeah. sucks. Pick another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Not, not happened yet. Not to bury the lead, but today we were talking about three burials of... And this is where I really wish I had practiced beforehand. Northern. Melchiades Estrada? Estrada. Estrada. Melchiades Estrada. This is the directorial debut of Tommy Lee Jones and written by Guillermo Arriaga. Tommy Lee Jones, who's best known as Agent K and Men in Black and nothing else. All right, moving on. Yep, never been so, anything. <laughs> 2005 release. Yeah, I I assume we filmed this right before No Country, I would imagine. Yeah, it's like two years shy, I think. So, but I don't want to... Jay, how'd you find out about this flick in the first place when you first see it? Like, gush away, man. I was in this weird place in my life where my wife and I had just gotten married in uh, June or July, early July of 2005. And we were all set to go move overseas for work. And this is a whole other story that may or may not make for a good film, but we got deported (laughs) and we found ourselves back on the East coast, uh, just trying to figure out what we were going to do. Um, because we had these, we had left to move to England and said goodbye to friends and family and had never, you know, we didn't know when we were going to come back and, uh, we bounced around for a bit and I ended up applying for graduate school uh, to study film and theology and I, I wanted to do that overseas as part of our move and of course when that move fell through I just googled uh, film and theology programs in the US and the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley popped up long story short I applied and got in but in the meantime we were kind of just bouncing around my wife is a nurse and she was doing some travel nurse jobs and I was basically just watching movies and starting to read uh, kind of in that field and thinking about what I may or may not do for research. And so I was seeing anything that was in the theaters. And we were happen- we were living in Charleston, South Carolina at the time, and they had a one of the few places that had a really cool art house theater. Yeah. And somehow, I can't remember if I saw a trailer, you know, o- online or on television, or if I saw a trailer for that film when I was at that theater for another film. 
and I'm trying to remember what that would have even have been but regardless I saw the trailer and I, and I immediately thought well this looks interesting because I, I like westerns love Tommy Lee Jones and uh, so we went to see it and I was blown away and I, I think I ended up writing an article about it I need to try to find that um, nice. but it just it's a type of film that stuck with me yeah um, and always has I, I, I go back to it uh, regularly I always I mean when, when I think about favorite films I don't have a favorite film I don't I don't I'm not that type of person but I have a lot of films that I really really like that I think sure. stand the test of time this is one of those I think of a film like The Third Man uh and sometimes I find it hard to even name like films that I really really like because there's so many of them mm -hmm. um and this just this happens to be one of them this one I mean I, this one I won't say it came out of nowhere like I was saying before we started recording just I remember back in the day in the early 2000s the only way to really catch trailers online was to go to apple.com slash trailers and I remember this one yep. being on there and I think I was unimpressed with the font which just goes to show my maturity level in 2005 <laughs> and I just I, 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 it passed over me um, or or it goes to show the importance of branding yeah, that is true that is true well, because even watching, like, the, there's a teaser online for this. I don't know if it was the same one that was on Apple's site, but, again, I was just like, okay, that looks kind of well, interesting. i got to be honest, I think the movie's a lot better than its trailer. The trailer's got some quirk to it in the movie. Man, that just rip-rolls when you get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's also hard, and I don't, I don't intend to go down this rabbit hole talking about this today, it's very hard for me to separate. Um, I, I guess I would consider myself a somewhat religious person. That gets harder and harder to say personally, like each passing day. But I am very intrigued by theology and um, how it shapes people's lives. Sure. And this is a film that's very hard for me to to, to not to, to talk about without talking about uh, some theology because I think it's a an incredible model or it kind of models this idea that I've wrestled with and thought about for years that I don't think a lot of people think about certainly in most American cinema does not feature um, and we could talk about that later but it to me it's a it's a really profound example of redemption reconciliation forgiveness Mm -hmm. These are all themes that are, these are all words that are kicked around even in non-religious settings. Most of your film reviews of, of really good films are probably going to include some of those words, Aspects, right? Yeah. Because that's yeah. just what good stories are. Uh, you know, redemption or forgiveness is not necessarily a religious thing. It may be a moral thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it's better said that this is a deeply moral film. Um, but in ways that most films, especially films of this genre, just simply aren't. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I think sets it apart from uh, from most American films, certainly from most American westerns. And yeah, I'm just I, I'm just still really intrigued by it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you 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 mentioned you know the American aspect of it, considering it was written by Guillermo, who's this very famous Mexican author. And you know who has gone on to do some incredible films, uh, 
21 Grams and Amores Peros and Babel, which he was nominated for an Oscar for, yeah. for Best Writing. Um, and he's a really fascinating guy to be telling this particular story because it's very much about the border and crossing mm. over actually to the other side of the border and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, especially with the morality and the, the kind of... And I think we'll talk about this a bit too, almost the parallels that we can see with Tommy Lee Jones being in No Country for Old Men, which I think was the very next film he was in, I think, because it was within two years, but that same... It's right, it was close there. enough, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just that theme of like holding to a code, like the bad guy in No Country, um, and just yep. what that means, mm -hmm. so... Well, yeah. and also I, I, I appreciate you bringing up the writer, as you of course would do, but I... You know, sometimes others see us better than we see ourselves, mm -hmm. and I think this is that case where you have somebody who is, you know, not from the U.S., not not from America, that can can train a, an astute eye, if you will, on us, on on or a genre even, right? I mean, oh, America, yeah. I mean, yeah. we we birth the Western genre, right? So. I think it's uh, it's really interesting when when non-American filmmakers tackle these types of genre films. I think they lend uh, great depth and fresh perspective to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was really struck by. I mean, you've got this di weird dynamic that having a the the main character be this rancher who's far from a perfect human being. He's definitely got his vices. Mm -hmm. Pair that up against this uh, this border patrol agent who clearly has some violent tendencies that he's not keeping in check and and then really uh Melchiata is 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 the third character even though he's not really alive for most of the movie right I, I, yeah which is, i find fascinating i mean there's the backflashes to be sure but for most of the movie he's a corpse and yet his presence is just yeah so yes. felt Exactly that. His presence haunts the movie, and I loved that. I just, I, I yeah. loved, like, um, one of the first notes I made was just uh, the editing in general. Um, I don't know how much Mr. Jones would have had control over such a thing, which I'm sure there was much, but the editing was so freaking jarring at some points, like when January Jones's character's being dropped off at the mall, and he's kind of watching after her, and just when that truck flashes by and you get to see you know the poor guy dead super quick it's like that's kind of how the mind works uh, you know the mm -hmm. sudden flash and all those things just i loved that creative aspect of it yeah it, it i i that first act the editing was strange and i couldn't wrap my mind around it but it really mm -hmm. does kind of give you this discordant almost emotional feel of these characters as they ping pong back through time and so at first i was uncomfortable by it but then i realized how much it was drawing me into this uh, almost trauma that everybody's going through and I really appreciated it mm -hmm. well I think you're you're right on and it's one of the things that I wrote in my notes when I rewatched the film yesterday is and I, and I had said this before or at, we had talked about this before in some of my coursework and and thinking about film is it's one of the few art forms that can play with time so so you know with mm -hmm. such sophistication and it gives it gives the viewer the ability if you tell that story linearly mm -hmm. you feel one you feel a certain type of way sure but told this way you begin to see the complexities of what's going on underneath the surface the complexities of what border means the complexities mm -hmm. of good versus evil 
and you start to see this event and and we can we can never know the totality of an event Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. we can never know what makes somebody do what they do it's just impossible sure and but i think film gives us the opportunity to get closer to that yeah and so when you tell a story like this and you chop that narrative up and thematically or emotionally uh you know kind of ideas are presented or statements are made through the editing process i think you get closer to a more total understanding of an event this happens mm-hmm. to be an event that was inspired by real events right um mm-hmm. it's still fictionalized but I, I that's also something that i really like about this film is that we get to see the tragedy of the murder uh we get to see the tragedy or the frustration of the situation that mike is put in mm-hmm. Uh, and and also the tragedy of of Pete's loss, um, mm. and, and, and kind of something more of an all encompassing view. So anyway, I think you're dead on with the editing, and I think told more traditionally as an A to B kind of narrative, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. It wouldn't I don't be think as effective. It would. it's nearly yeah. And I, I do think it's remarkable considering how much it is jumping backwards through time. I never felt lost. It, it doesn't hold your yeah. hand. Yeah. Hey Nick, I thought it was interesting. You sent that video, that YouTube video, and I need to. Fin- I'm about halfway through. I'll put it in the show notes. Which one? Where he t- he talks about his AD- struggling with ADD. Who is this? Uh, it's it's the interview the with writer. the uh, the writer. Um, kind of a perspective okay. on his career, and I started watching that. And I just forwarded it his way, so I'll put it in the show notes for everyone to watch. As yeah. well as as well as Jay's article, which I just found on Pop Theology. I'll put that in there as well. Nice. <laughs> interesting. So, um, but yeah, you were uh, you were saying about the ADD. No, I just I, I I don't know if he went further with that in the in the interview, but he mentioned you know the the inter the interviewer said to him, you know, pointed out this way he plays with time mm-hmm. in his screenplays, and he referenced briefly, gotcha. you know, ha- working through ADD, and that's interesting in and sure. of itself, but but also just knowing that 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 complexity, that ability to play with that part of story can have all these other kind of payoffs yeah mm-hmm. absolutely um it's just yeah it, it's, this was this was the first time i'd seen this flick before and i was blown away by the cinematography by the music the acting of course um i haven't seen the main guy who plays mel and many other things but i feel like this is one of the first ones before Mad Men came out that january jones really got i don't want to say yes uh, started in but yeah yeah, um, across the board. So, you know, you watch that. Well. <laughs> yeah, you watch that, and you're like, "Who is this?" Because mm-hmm. she she's a you know she's a star. I I put in my notes uh, when I look at all of these characters. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminded me of John the title of John Springer's book that he wrote about 1930s fame, uh, cinematic fame. They had faces then. Mm-hmm. And all of these characters have faces, uh, distinct faces. I mean, from Tommy Lee Jones to January, I mean, to January Jones. Uh, I don't know if you guys have thoughts about the cast. I mean, I think this is a remarkable cast. I think it's incredible. Um, oh, man. Um, and it stars one of the greatest American heroes, treasures, musicians, 
you know where I'm going, Levon Helm playing the blind man. Uh, and one of his few roles in life, the band, I am a, if I have one to two many beers or three many beers, I will inevitably put on the last waltz on uh, Amazon Prime, which is Martin Scorsese's concert video of the band for their last live performance. Uh, yeah, I love this cast. And in part, because when I saw it and Levon Helm was playing the blind man, I just lost it. <laughs> yeah, man. For me, it was uh, it was seeing Barry Pepper in a role like that's more lead than behind the lead, I suppose. Sure. Like, he is in a ton of stuff. Like He's in True Grit. He's in Green Mile. He's in Seven Pounds. Like, he is one of those guys. Um, there's a documentary that came out years ago. I'm trying to remember what it was called, where it kind of followed like the co-star the career of like a co-star it's like i think i've seen you in that or something like that or you look familiar or yeah. something like that he barry is very much that guy like he's been a lead in a couple of things in recent years but not he, he wouldn't carry you know at the theater i don't sure. think um but just kind of seeing no. a wider range from him i just i love that he's a he's yeah. a actor who commands your attention even though he very rarely leads the show and and I don't know. He does such a good job in this show of being a guy that you half hate and half want to just shake him and get some empathy into him. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. I both feel for him and despise him in equal measure, depending on the scene that we're watching. Right. <laughs> he does such a good job. Yeah. Yeah. That seems high praise for a writer. Yeah. To yeah, craft man. a character that makes you feel that way. Absolutely. Yeah, you go from being annoyed by him where he just kind of takes his wife and then like the fact that he just kind of r randomly punches that lady in the face when they're running away to okay like you can genuinely see the wear and tear on his wrist from the handcuffs and feel his frustration with the snake bite and almost dying and then her you know i did not expect her to come back that gal who got punched earlier and then she gets even <laughs> with him which was amazing yeah, <laughs> yeah. hot coffee so, it's like yeah. a trip to mcdonald's yeah <laughs> right in the crotch that's right. So, I feel um, like we should walk through the plot a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, there are probably people out there listening, going, "What?" Like, because again, I didn't heard of this movie, <laughs> and I, I feel like we need to yeah. sell people on it because it's a movie that people yeah. should watch. Yeah. I mean, this one was uh, free on Tubi and two other places. Like it's on Amazon Prime of... as well. Right. Was that rental or was that free? Nope. It was free for me. Free. Okay. So there you go, folks. Free on Prime. Free on. Um, oh Ubi. wow. Yeah. And yeah. then there was one other spot that was listed on Xfinity. But either way, yeah, so free. Um, Ready so access. Yeah, yeah, plenty of places to No see. excuse. Exactly. Plenty of spoilers. Here they come. <laughs> yep. So I guess just to start the premise, right, we got, we've got an immigrant who's trying to find work in Texas who is shot due to a misunderstanding. Right? This is a fair way to start set it up? Absolutely, yeah. And, and so yeah. then it's Tommy Lee Jones is his good friend who, who uh, I think to, to I, before we dive spoilers, I think, so Tommy Lee Jones is his friend who decides that he wants to take him back to his home. And he decides to drag along the man who shot him. Yeah. A punishment via which handcuffs. fits a crime. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And also I say misunderstanding, are... but it was egregious. Yeah. Well, no. Yes and no. I mean, it's it's that whole. I think it's another. I think the film may be, in the light of events of last year, 
uh, act, uh, police brutality, accidental mm-hmm. or otherwise, this sure. may be a more timely film than ever. Um, Absolutely, and, and we can we could talk about that if you want later. But yeah, I would think mm-hmm. to say accidental uh, murder. I mean, murder um, yeah. of mm-hmm. this person, and that. So anyway, you're right. And also that may or you know in the course of the film and as we've already talked about it bounces back and forth in time uh you know Melchiades asks Pete to take him home mm-hmm. which is such a sad conversation if you really think right. about it it's and only now have I just thought about how sad that is because he knows that he's so vulnerable yeah that people don't often make it and then he needs right? to tell and a friend that yeah, I need like most men his age. I've never told a friend that you need to take care of me after I die. That's not something that's Why on would my you? mind, right? Why would we? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But this man he, knows. He misses the yeah. whole thing too because he says he's he's like I'm gonna die before you. So he just really, I don't want to say he ignores the the conversation because he's certainly there once the feeling starts becoming clear. But mm. he's just like I'm gonna die before you, man. You don't have to tell me this stuff. He just just yeah. glosses over it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that. That's I have not thought about that until now, and it's deeply tragic. It really is. Yeah. So anyway, he goes, and to your point, Brendan, I mean, he goes and takes him to this place that may or may not exist. Sure. To a family on that may or may not be his family, right? Right. Like the, yeah, right. And so that whole doubt is what I think is also very uh, genre-bending, is that we may not this may not be real like these we may not have good may not even be real right Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i'm well i i i love that scene when tommy lee jones meets once again because my spanish is terrible forgive me milkyatis (laughs) you could just say mel when he meets mel he says in the film he says yeah that that moment where they meet, I, I don't know what it was about that scene I found so compelling because mm. Mel looks so scared and yet yep. as he's saying hi and, and everybody in that basically he's walking up on a horse while Tommy Lee Jones and a bunch of other ranchers are just shooting the shit. I'm sorry, I swore. <laughs> it's on, on my podcast, I should know better. Um but, you know there's this deep suspicion and this man's like what does he say? The, the, just a rancher? Or what? I can't remember what he says, but... It, yeah, cowboy. A cowboy. Just a cowboy. Yeah. Just a cowboy. Looking for work. Yeah. And... Yeah. I don't know. That scene just struck me really, really hard. Because Tommy Lee Jones seems like he's asking him, what kind of trouble are you in? What kind of things are you... He seems deeply suspicious of just this guy who just wants to find some work. Yeah, yeah. which he teases him about later when, you know, he... he uh, Gosh, when he goes and leaves, like, watching the TVs, and then he's like, let me see your photo ID. Like, you know, and the way that he reacted to that, you know, that yeah. probably, it's not too far after that was when they probably had that death conversation about taking right. me back home because that kind of maybe solidified in his mind, like, you know, it really could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. So, well, then we get the first burial, don't we? Yeah, it's hard to that. have that conversation <laughs> about, it's hard to have that conversation, you know, you're talking about, Vulnerable people, mm-hmm. borders, um, 
you know, one of the things I thought about rewatching it this time is the absurdity of borders. Like, yeah. I love the pe- – you should put this in your show notes too. The, <laughs> not telling you how to produce your show, but uh, – Please do. Someone has to. <laughs> Pete, <laughs> so Pete Holmes, great comedian, great mm-hmm. writer, a seemingly great dude, has this great stand-up bit where he says, you think you're in America? Zoom out. You're on a rock hurtling through space (laughs) around, you know, he doesn't say this, but, you know, around a burning ball of gas. Yeah. Yeah. We're all on this ride together. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so this idea of like, oh, this thing, this part of my identity comes first is like, no, no, we're all humans on this rock that, Mm -hmm. again, is hurtling through space and astronauts say that right you've probably heard all sure you know every time an astronaut comes back is this sense of oneness that they come back with that like you Mm -hmm. cannot see these borders from outer space like we have to figure out how to live on this thing you know uh together Mm -hmm. and you know especially this film because you know one of the things i i thought about the i remember thinking the very first time i watched it is not necessarily being lost in a sense of time, but being lost in a sense of place. Yes. I didn't know whether I was in Mexico or the U.S. I I thought the same thing until they actually took that moment to say, hey, there's the line. I thought we were already in Mexico, to be honest. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And then 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 the arbitrariness of it. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, that's a great – you use that word. That is a word that applies to this film, the arbitrariness of life. Yeah, Mel mm. dies because Barry's out there trying to do what he wants to do, <laughs> yep. and he's not doing his job. You think about arbitrariness, you think about banality, like the Hannah Arendt uh, book about the banality of evil. Mm-hmm. Like it's just sometimes just so stupid, silly, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's silly, almost or banal, you know. And so that so that is and and what defines a border and who draws that line. And I think and and then. But to do that and to enforce that on somebody like Mike, who I think is deserving, as you've already said, Brendan, of some sympathy, mm-hmm. um, the situation it puts people in to defend that arbitrary line. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, another thing for your show, I just had all these ideas, like the this great book called The Line Becomes a River by Francisco Cantu. Yeah, wrote this award-winning book bestseller came out a couple years ago about his experience as a border patrol agent Hmm. and it is as empathetic a book as you could possibly want to read on this subject i think Mm -hmm. um it's not very polemical uh it's it's deeply emotional deeply personal sure yeah Uh, uh, it's his experience right it's it's not a lot of commentary or or it's kind of thirty thousand foot view of border patrol politics or anything like that Mm mm-hmm uh, but deeply moving, and I, I had watched this after, in between, I mean, I had read that book between the last two times I'd watched the film, yesterday and whenever, the last time I'd watched sure, Three Burials. Sure. And it was a different film, and I looked at Mike differently because I had read that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, so to, to put him in a position to police that uh, begs some questions, I think. I, I think yeah. you're right, and I think there's... Like you say, it's a moral film, but I, 
not to I like I don't want to I've got people on all sides of the aisle in my 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 world so, but yeah. I I think we oversimplify and we moralize the wrong parts and we forget that we're talking about people. Yeah, I mean that's what sound bites and clickbait and marketing and that that all plays into that as well. Um, yeah. But I mean, if you look look at you know the situation, you have Mel who's kind of coming for what like the American dream, right? And then you have Mike who kind of has like he's married and he's got a good job and mm-hmm. not just they don't just. I think what I really liked about the story they're going for is it's not just fish out of water, right? Like what would a guy from Ohio know about being on the border? Which is why he reacts the way that he does. Like, he's treating it like he's running down a criminal who's stealing a car. Like, the first time mm, that right. he comes across, people are sneaking over the border. I had thought so, about it. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not just it's not just this fish-out-of-water story or this accidental murder. Like, it's it's so much bigger than that. It's And it's not just the whole, like, this is the Texas way. Like, uh, like there was a movie I saw years ago, The Morgans or something, that just plays into that oh, yeah. with Wyoming. But, but anyway, um, I love that they, they kind of play with that theme as well. Because um, here's somebody who has, you know, like, would have everything, yeah. No, you're right. You're, you're, uh, and the film scratches at that a little bit because his boss says, do you know how much trouble you're getting me in, cowboy? You know, right. When you, when you do this kind of renegade bad guy stuff, it's like, this comes on me. And right. then who else says he says in that same scene or another the agent says, "Well, somebody's got to pick the strawberries." Like the absurdity of this border patrol, like yeah, <laughs> like or the hypocrisy of it, which is like we're us catching anybody or turning anybody away. We're only doing that so we can allow everyone in that we're allowing, so we can look look we can actually look like we're doing our job. <laughs> you know, it's just such a weird thing to, you know, obviously a very liberal or progressive or certainly from Ariaga's perspective like a non-American or a certainly certain type of American viewpoint on immigration mm-hmm. but to your point like somebody who hasn't had more time in that space is put in a position that they are ill-equipped to handle right mm-hmm. yeah it seems like he's and I, I thought this about the whole movie in general that it's it, it's it's almost like this this legalism standing in the way of decency and so in his mind Oof. he's he's really holding yeah. on to that legalism as the benchmark of his morality which is yep. really uh, we hope our laws are moral but if that's the only, if if the legalism is the highest moral then you end up beating up women who are just trying to walk over a certain patch of land yeah seriously um, but it, I very, also yeah, find it funny. That's a good line. So that's go ahead. Good. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's good. As they would say in the South, that'll preach. Like, <laughs> I, I find it. Love it. What is it? What does it mean? Right. Like to be to be good or bad in that situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I do find it funny too that we keep cutting back to the sheriff who is actively engaged in prostitution and like we have to enforce these laws. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna have an affair with the diner. I'm gonna have a. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I assume it was prostitution because we know that it was on the other side. Wasn't that the established? Or am I wrong I, about I that? I just got the sense that it was. It was just something to do. Just something to yeah. do. So maybe I read it wrong. But nonetheless, it was, yeah. it was not moral. Poor Bob. Poor poor Bob. <laughs> poor Bob. 
Well, it's such a <laughs> yeah, it's such a great. I mean, you you go into this. There are. It doesn't feel like the film is more. It's a moral film, but it doesn't feel like it's moralizing. Yes, like very true. It feels like, hey, this is super small town America. Period. That doesn't look a lot of different from the smaller towns across the border. Sure, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not excusing anything or defending anything, but it feels like the writing is saying eh, they're just bored. Like, right, right. But mm-hmm. I, like, I will but say, it does it's not seem evil, but it's not. It's not good. It's, but it's just a gradation of good. Yeah. No, so, no. But I'm not I saying will it's say, good. When they got over the border, I did have a stronger sense of familial connection than I had in Texas. Like, it seemed like more people had each other's backs when you get to these little Mexican villages. Maybe I'm, I mean, am I reading this wrong or I don't know? Well, no, I don't, I think there was, there was an interesting, I kind of noticed there was a reflection, almost the way that the movie was funneling across the border where it's like, right, you got the diner and then you go across and then like, well, there's kind of the bar where she heals him with the rattlesnake bite. Like, you almost kind of have these, this parallel universe across the way um, with people that you would probably in my opinion, you would have the people that how they looked and how they dressed and all those things you would have seen on either side. Like there wasn't that sure. much of a difference. Sure, oh, sure, sure. But I, I guess when when they're in Texas, you have all these long lingering shots of your neighbor being weird, like the the woman across the way in the 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 trailer park chaining her dog up and kissing her dog, and cl- <laughs> everybody's glaring at each other, and nobody's talking. <laughs> yeah. And you get down to Mexico, and it's like, oh yeah, she lives over there, and uh huh, yep, everybody's in the bar chatting, and and it, I don't know, I just given the choice of living in that trailer park and living with no closed uh, housing, I'm trying to think that, that there's that really. The, Dude, I'm a, I'm south of the border in a heartbeat. Just given the choice, man, that bar looked like paradise to me. I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, was, but what a great no, you're not. What a great and beautiful sequence, though. Yeah, like, very dreamlike, very. You can kind of feel it. You know that theme of. Listen, it, it is not fair to paint any culture in, you know, one color with one of brush. Course. We're Absolutely, so complex. But and I don't think you're doing that. I, on both sides I, of the border, do, I would say, yeah. And there, there, there is hospitality. There is hostility everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do think when we think about borders, period, that for some cultures on a particular side of the border, hospitality may not be the first thing you think about. Right. And for others, it may be. Sure. And I could name borders around the world, and I. You know, so my wife and I traveled extensively. That is a huge theme in our marriage together and our life together is hosp- trying to be hospitable and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and practice mm-hmm. hospitality to people um, and trying to widen that circle. Well, and I don't even I, think it gets to be think, national borders. I mean, borders in cities that are just arbitrary, different streets even. 100%. Like. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and so that's what I liked about... Um, you know, it would have been interesting to see because it's not a perfect film. I don't know what would be, but mm-hmm. you know, there are likely, not even likely, there are communities and people, homes, small towns that would look like that dreamlike. Bar, sure, mm-hmm. sure. Know, yeah. On the northern side, of no that question, border, right? You know that. 
And I don't want to dump on. I'm not trying to dump on America. I'm just. I was just no, struck by the way that the the film parallels these things. Where it's it's. I felt like the 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 characters in Texas often were being were lacking that hospitality with with others, and they lacked it in themselves too. Like the people right next to them, their families, their their loved That's ones. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, you even kind of see it with the real estate agent right at the start of the film when he's talking about the house being 60000 and, you know, Norton's not too sure about it, and the guy's smile kind of just fades away, and he's like, well, we got other stuff. And he just he's trying to hold his smile. It's that, <laughs> you know, hospitable as long as you got the cash, but if you don't, you're just uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so let's see. So we got... Wait, are you about to? Are you at the point of the podcast where like you guys are talking about? Hey, we can edit this out and like produce no. on the fly. Oh, wait, no. wait. you're just gonna you're just gonna leave this in. What are we I editing mean, out? Yeah, I, I love I love because when we do our podcast, we'll get to a point where we're like, I still got so much to say. Uh, we need to figure out what that is to say. <laughs> and in the last thirty <laughs> seconds, we'll cut that out. We'll cut the last thirty seconds. We say that a lot. No. It doesn't happen often. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could I say... Buster! And I'll edit that out later, but um, no. No, no. That's next big, level. Big sound. Just, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Big mood. Big mood. Well, no one's going to top that. Uh, no, I I think everything stays in, my friend. Everything. You know, one of the... <laughs> also, this is this film is why Tecate is my preferred Mexican beer of choice. Um there you go. You know, one of the things that I, I liked about um, the film, there was this theologian who I, I read a book when I was in seminary called uh, The Fall to Violence. Uh-huh. And it was an examination of the concept, the traditional concept of original sin. Right? And even people who aren't religious people or particularly theologically minded could probably say, well, the original sin was like rebellion against God. Or pride mm-hmm. or whatever you know disobedience Adam and Eve and all this kind of stuff and so this theologian named Marjorie Suhaki wrote this book and says no actually violence unnecessary violence was the original sin mm-hmm. um, and human evolution and so she would take seriously human evolution cultural evolution she would she takes sacred texts very seriously like the Bible for example but she would also say this is written by humans who are trying to explain how we got where we are, where we came from, and all that kind of thing. Um, And that they were cultural products of a time. Not that they're untrue or that there isn't truth to be found there, but that, you know, these are are things that should be interrogated. So she would say that unnecessary violence was the original sin, that at some point as a species, we evolved to the point where violence between individuals was not necessary. And I'm kind of oversimplifying that but as she progresses in her argument throughout her book, then what is what combats that? What what is hmm. the how do we transcend that? And she would say forgiveness uh, mm-hmm. is mm. we we have under we have underestimated and we've undervalued forgiveness in in our culture, and she might would even say in our contemporary like for her Christian circles. And she would say that forgiveness is willing the well-being of the victim and the violator with the fullest possible 
understanding of the violation that occurred. Whoa. So that's very yeah. deep and very wordy. But it, what she makes clear is forgiveness is not just simply saying, uh, I forgive you for the wrong that you've done to me, and now we it's move on, just, and we're going to forget it's about okay. it. Forgive and forget, right, right. right? It's okay. No, no, no. There should be consequences for actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, without those consequences, there is no true reconciliation. And I believe by the end of this film, Mike and Pete are reconciled. Yes. yes. I, I believe mean, that most movies do not give us this because huh. they do not understand the value of consequences for action. Interesting. And so when, when I watch this journey that Pete... Now, this is where the film is complicated because also Pete is operating without full knowledge of the event. Sure. So there are moments in which Pete wrongs Mike. Yes. You could one could argue that the whole process uh, is more of revenge or it's somehow skewed. I, I I think it's I don't go there, but I think you could make that argument. Mm-hmm. But Mike is forced to atone as much as possible for what he has done. And I don't know that well, full atonement and true atonement would never be possible because how do you atone for taking a life mm-hmm. uh, short of potentially giving your life? And in this situation, I don't know how that would look. This, I think, is closer than most stories get to. Yeah, I mean, when you when you said most movies don't go that deep, which, my goodness, like the by the time you get to the very last line in the film, it's almost like Norton has been baptized in forgiveness, as it will, because now he's mm-hmm. like... You gonna be all right? Like, and you just end on that. It's like, yeah, and I never I, put I was that like, together. Right, because I'm, I'm thinking like, is this just an, an example of Stockholm syndrome? It's like, no, I mean, because it's over, and yet he he expresses care for the, the man who has found seen, empathy. Right, exactly. And so, unfortunately, when you said movies don't go that far, my very first thought was Spider-Man Three. Oh, I forgive you with Peter to to Sandman. Yeah. Um, because it, it's you know it's even more surface than the, gosh the sand but um, most movies don't take it that far and there are plenty of movies where forgiveness is kind of shoehorned in um, you know there's that famous line about if you want to leave a message you know call Western Union or something but every movie has every good movie has a theme I mean even like ridiculous comedies like Harold and Kumar have a theme and I yeah. mean this one just actually explored it to the depth of which it could be taken because you have Pedro who does forgive and then you have I don't I, didn't, I keep saying January Jones I, I remember her, her character's name who's just a he's beyond redemption. that redemption he's beyond it which which feels like a wrong note in this film yeah I, I do say that that felt he he, he has made a mistake a tragic one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there should be some sort of official uh, I think uh, you know Pete slash Tommy Lee Jones is a stand-in for that. There would you know ordinarily there should be some sort of punishment or consequence. Obviously, the sheriff and his boss were going to try to cover that up, mm-hmm. and that also mm-hmm. happens unfortunately. Yeah, but there was no sense he was clearly hurt by what he had done and affected by what he had done. So he's not completely kind of devoid of feeling. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's for January to say he's complete, he's beyond redemption, that just felt a little misguided. I, I didn't quite understand where that came from. Never so have. So from my perspective, it was what you just said with Pete not having the full picture. She doesn't have the full picture either. All she has True. was this True. was the guy who emotionally fulfilled me with, you know, it never suggested whether or not they had sex that time when they were in the hotel, but they, they danced and they had fun that way. So to her, this could be like, this is just my husband getting revenge on like the one nice thing I found mm. down here. That was just how I saw uh, that's that. That's interesting. Yeah. I, yeah, I, that's, I took that it could as be. her woundedness from just how badly, it's not even that he treated her abusively, but in his actions, but it was almost abusively in his neglect. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I mean, the when he when they you know have sex in the kitchen and they're watching yeah. TV, which is paid off later with you know that's the same show that the the guys are watching out while so hunting. So smart. Um, the dialogue in that sequence reflected them so perfectly. Of just we used to have this, now we got nothing. Everybody's got a silver silver falls. I think is what it was. Um, just yeah. It was one of those things where they're, they're even like watching TV at that point, being like, "What is this crap?" <laughs> but uh. yeah, so it's not a. I, I don't think I, I've always thought about this film in conversation with that book and that idea of what does what does real forgiveness look like, and what does it mm-hmm. mean to will the well-being of the violator? Mm-hmm. What is what is a vi- What is someone like? Mike's well-being what does that look like after that violation Mm -hmm. and I think we are so far removed from even thinking about that as creators Mm -hmm. that we can't even name what that would look like that's why I think this film gets us closer to that sure yeah I mean there's there's punishment and then there's penance and I think you know, another movie that I thought about with forgiveness was The Mission. You got Robert De Niro lugging his suit of armor to the village yeah. from the people that he, you know, the lives that he took away. Having to have not a punishment, but a penance, a sign that shows that you are truly mournful. And it's, it has to take the form in something physical mm-hmm. in order for it to kind of go through the spiritual cleansing that has to occur. It's kind of how I see it, at least. Yeah, that's a great comparison. And that's a... Uh, because you've hit on those themes I mean that's in the world of film and theology that's kind of the OG movie I mean that in that genre when that field started to to kind of grow that was the film that everybody wrote about Mm -hmm. right and everybody talked about because uh, it embodied all this stuff and yeah, uh-oh. I know. It's been a huge hole in my, my film repertoire. It looks like Nick's going to be the next guest on his own podcast so he can talk about it. <laughs> Let's we do just it, did Back to the Future. I'm here so, with Nick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. That'll be, that would be a good one, actually. And then I could do Godfather Part 2 and have an excuse to see that. Anyway, you haven't seen Godfather uh, Part 2? All right. Done. Should what? I edit that out? Should we edit this out? No, keep it <laughs> in. Yeah, somebody might come for you. No, I haven't seen Godfather Part 3, but I've never heard anybody give me crap for that. That's probably fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I think we should, outside of the plot and the morality and all of that, I do want to note, and maybe it's because I just have a soft spot for the desert. I think the desert's gorgeous, but man, this movie's pretty. Yes. I want to go live on Tom Lee Jones' ranch because I know he filmed a lot of it there. 
Jeez, that's a pretty, pretty gorgeous landscape. Oh, wait, that was his? Uh, yeah, that, he filmed, I think, most of it on his personal ranch in, in middle of Texas. Oh, okay. I, I knew great. he was from Texas, but that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I yeah, I love the high desert. A lot, of, a lot of time in Texas, and that's a part of the country right there that I just have such a fondness for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Let's see. The cinematographer was Chris Menges, I believe, and he did he. Oh, he did the mission. Oh my goodness. Yeah, sweet. Holy crap. <laughs> Whoa, that's that's pretty cool. Wow, what a nice that little tie cool. together. I love it when moments like that happen. Um, and he's uh, still working, which is great too. And he did a movie called Redemption. All right, moving on. Um, that journey, though, just man when he lassos him and drags him across the river golly and one of the i'll tell you what one of my uh favorite parts in this whole flick that i don't think is anybody's like favorite part but man there's that kind of aerial shot where he's dragging him on the horse and it's when that right before the donkey falls off the cliff and dies that i was genuinely nervous Mm. because of that stunt work because it's clearly them there is no green screening. There is no splicing. There's no mat or anything. Like, they're actually that high yeah, up right. and that close to the cliff. So I was, I was, <laughs> I was like on pins and needles. I was just like, oh, hell, man. Like, that's way too close. And, and yeah. like, the position that they have Barry Pepper in, mm-hmm. it's not like he's got a good grip here. I, yeah, no, I felt the same way. Yeah. So here's a question for you guys. Yeah. What happens to Pete and Mike after the credits roll? In your mind. So I assume Pete goes and looks for cowboy work down in Mexico. I'm not so sure about Mike. Pete can't go home, I mean. Yeah, he didn't seem like he was heading in the direction of the ranch. Part of me was thinking, like, is he he just going to go off and die? But then I thought sure. maybe there is more there. Um, but for Mike, I, for me, I just it, it seemed to me like one of those I'm a changed man kind of thing. Because I know he's going to find a phone. I know he's going to get picked up and brought back. Mm-hmm. He's probably not going to say, you know, tell anyone where Pete is, I imagine. Um, in my mind, it would be kind of a different story for him to try to go and, and win his wife back. Um, I think he just kind of vanishes. That's kind of how I, I think I see both of them just kind of vanishing when this is over. What about you? Uh, I hadn't thought about thought about it much until I asked the question. I do think that's a, a good read on Pete staying down Mexico way. I think uh, I think Mike could potentially go back and be a better Border Patrol agent hmm. through yeah. this experience. Uh, or that that may be the best thing. Or maybe he does just move on and fade into something else. But. You you could think that maybe he's he's learned something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that an interesting question. In that. Yeah. Does the learn something take him back to being a, a a decent humane border patrol agent, or does it take him onto something new? That's a very interesting. Does he go back to the carpet store? I'm not sure. The carpet, the carpet store. store. There's my terrible Rick and Morty reference. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> I get it now. He's going to go work. He's going to go work at the mall in Odessa. 
<laughs> uh, that's where he ends up. Man, I, I gotta I gotta say, um, the theme about death in this movie and the care that Pete has for Mel, and then that make I don't want to say it was makeup effects, but the, the prop people who worked on that body oh, and yeah. the gradual deterioration, and the way that for Pete it was as if he never. It wasn't until he tries to, to brush his hair mm-hmm. and the hair comes out that he, I think in my mind, that was the first time he saw him truly as dead because mm-hmm. he had conversations with him and, you know, he sits him up and, I mean, the way he knocks the ants off and lights, gosh, his, even catches, fire. lights his friend on fire for a second. But to me, it's not till he brushes the hair where it's like, no, this it's, is, the, yeah. the soul has fled, as they said in True Grit. Um, just that prop work was amazing. It was incredible. It really was. This, this is going to sound like the weirdest question ever. And my wife, who just <laughs> is a nurse, has just walked in. But have you ever smelled a dead body? No. I don't know why either of you would not, have. No. I haven't. I haven't. But it feels like this film gets us close to what that must be like. I, yeah. Yep. I would imagine. Gosh. The, the way Barry Scree, or the way. Uh, Edward screams when Mel falls on him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh lordy lordy lord. Yeah. So yeah. that's Yeah, that was a uh, and it's also just there's absurdity to it. Like it's the whole that we talked about the absurdity of a border. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones character at some point in the film, it's a little absurd. Like right. mm-hmm. he's dragging this corpse around. Well, that's even the guy points that out where he's like, I usually don't cross people this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. But, you know, there's that bargaining from three grand to a horse, you know, not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad steal. Made a deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Amazing flake. That, that's really that's almost all I have to say about it. Brennan, uh, did you have a favorite scene or sequence or? I mean, I I. To me, and I think I already said this, the hero of the story is, is it was the landscape, I feel. I mean, it, the story works because I was so invested in where I was. Like, I felt yeah. there, and it was gorgeous. And and I'll watch Tommy G- Lee Jones do literally anything, so I think he is a treasure of an actor, and I love to get watch him fiddle behind the camera. That was great. American hero. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think the the last scene of No Country for Old Men uh, is one of my favorite monologues in history, and it was really cool watching this, knowing it was the, the like I, these movies are probably going to be linked in my brain forever now. So. That's good, yeah. Oh wait, so that's what happens to Pete then? He becomes no, a small becomes town the sheriff, small town and sheriff, then yeah. yeah, and then he wakes up. <laughs> so good. So good. So, do you uh, have anything else? Do you feel like you've gushed? Are you, are you gushed out? I feel like I'm, I'm spent. <laughs> Beautiful. Nice. I was looking through my notes, and I think we hit everything, which is great. Yeah, wonderful. Man. That's what we love to do around here. All right, I'll throw it your way, Brendan, for the cast list. Cast lists. Wait, I thought I was doing. That's what I meant to say. I'm doing the cast list. You're, You're doing, doing the cast list. To say something nice. I, I ain't That's ready a, for no cast list. I ain't ready. City Slicker, I ain't ready for none of that. None of that. None of that. None of that. Anyway, Jay, I'll have you pick a number between 1 and 422. Wait, for real? Yeah, for, for real. real. Between 1 and 422. 135? 
135. If you go to the cast list, 135. That is Tom Ward, the construction coordinator of the film. Let's he see Tom's work. credits here. Goodness, a very basic name. Tom, you are working on. Are you still working? You are still working. Yeah, you're working absolutely. on Walker. Oh, you're working on Walker. Let's see. You did Panic. You did Planet Terror. You were in the art department. You did The Postman. Oh, my gosh. We got to talk about The Postman someday, dude. <laughs> uh, Friday Night Lights. Looks Man, like a this lot of Texas stuff. Yeah, the Alamo is on here. Uh, let's see. Well, yeah, pl um, Planet Terror, that'd be uh, Robert Rodriguez. I think he's in Austin. I think that's where his sure. studio is. Yeah. Uh, Hope Floats, Miss Congeniality, American Outlaws, The Rookie, The New Guy. This guy's got, man, and this guy's pretty much done a lot. Construction coordinator all around. He has built some cool stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong. Construction coordinator would be building sets, I would imagine, right? I, I, think, I think that is what that role is. Oh, man, I sound so dumb. <laughs> I think that's what that so is. So if I but wanted he... to build that bar in my backyard, he's the guy I should call. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> So, man, Tom, thank you so much for working on this movie. I think if if what we think you did with the art department as far as doing a construction coordination uh, and what we think that job means, man, you helped make this movie amazing. So, Tom, Ward, thank you, thank you, thank you for working on this film. And you even if it doesn't mean what we think it means, thanks again anyways. Yeah, dude. Thanks for making this movie awesome. Out of all the people who worked on it, like, your number was drawn, man. So keep working hard on that Walker show, and good luck getting the second season. All right, That's now, not really mean. That's not what I meant. Just, you're going to get a second <laughs> season. Good luck, dude. <laughs> so now I need you to pick a number one through three. 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 Three it is. Something I nice. would like you to say something nice about something nice. the movie The Holiday. <laughs> something nice makes me and two of my closest friends laugh very hard. Yes. That's talking nice. about that is a really talking nice about thing. It. Uh, it, dang it. <laughs> I, hey, it that's may, good. I, I have good friends, very good friends, who like to make fun of me for not liking that movie, and I like to laugh at them making fun of me. <laughs> Jude Law, that's who it is. Jude Law, Kay Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude and Jack Black. Law. That's right. Okay, yes. Also another nice thing that I can say about it. <laughs> it's set in England, a place that I dearly love and yes. wish I could live in at length mm. one day. Amen. And hope Amen. to. Yeah. It'll so, happen. Is that, is that nice enough? That is, is that nice. nice. No, I, nice. I think that's great. You, okay. you mentioned a movie bringing you joy. Maybe not for the reasons a lot of people would say, but I think that's nice. I think yeah. <laughs> not the filmmaker's intention. <laughs> Look, I mean, and I'll say when we talk about what we've been watching, I'll get into this more. But uh, mm -hmm. the only thing I like more than a really good movie is a really bad movie. So, oh goodness, that's yes, the that's the mode. Excellent. Well, Jay, we like to end the show talking about things that we're currently consuming in media. This goes from movies, TV shows, video games, books, comic books. Um, I would highly recommend uh, following Jay on Instagram because pretty much every book he's ever posted a picture of has been amazing. Like I found Station Eleven through you, and a couple other ones. Hollywood, so. call yeah, me, yeah, yeah. call me. I'm yeah, trying. Baby. To, let's develop some stuff. <laughs> oh, dude, we got to talk about that after the show. That book. Oh my gosh, that book is so freaking good. That, yeah. Okay. Station Eleven. Uh, well, Station Eleven, the series is coming out soon, but the one that you had me read, yeah. that I know you were going for the rights for. Uh, oh. 
the why why do you hate money story, but we'll go to that later. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> Station uh, but yeah, what do you... we talked about previously in the podcast. My wife got me reading we that did. one, too. Yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to that one coming. I think it's HBO Max that it's coming out on. Oh, yep. nice. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, Jay, tell us what you're watching, reading, consuming, video games, all that good stuff. What are you enjoying right now that you want people to know about? I'm, I had forgotten that this was a question, and I was going to recommend something to you specifically, but I just started a new – DC Comics has a black label, which is like mature theme comics but yeah, yeah, one yeah. is a, a new series out by James Tinian is The Nice House on the Lake and I, I cannot writer. tell you how I'm excited how excited I am for whatever adaptation of this should inevitably come uh, the premise well I don't want to give anything away just because to read to, to tell you what is happening is to spoil the first issue Okay. And I'm not going to do it. Wonderful. And to spoil okay. the whole premise of what could be the show. So The Nice House on the Lake, I'm watching a show that is going to ha- I'm going to have to um, qualify this recommendation because it is not for everybody. It probably won't be for most adults. But <laughs> the team behind Money Heist, which is this huge global Netflix show set in Spain about a group of thieves and ne'er-do-wells who try to rob the Spanish mint. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, that is an unequivocal recommendation. Everybody should watch that show. It's Money great. heist. Money heist. Okay. And but the 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 folks behind that, their next show is called Sky Rojo. Uh, so I guess you know. I don't know this. Red Sky. It's uh about four strippers slash prostitutes who flee their pimp. Huh. And try to liberate themselves from his control as a tv it is show a, yeah it is deeply offensive uh in terms of <laughs> well actually let me take that back offensive is the wrong word a lot of people would say that i, don't, I didn't mean to say that yeah, but uh, i get what you mean is, i think Go it's ahead. deeply graphic it's very graphic right. and it's discussions of not necessarily it's depictions of uh sexual assault rape sex acts it's not for the faint of clients heart. and prostitutes. It is not, but it is also a deeply feminist work that is seeking to talk about female empowerment, ownership, agency, these types of thing types of things, and the systems that contribute to prostitution, pornography, mm-hmm. uh, strip clubs, whatever. Uh, it looks like you Netflix, know, a de- right? It is. Yeah. It's also on Netflix. You know, there's there's a debate like all these conversations about Chris Hedges, who's somebody whose work I really admire as a as a cultural critic. Uh, you know, has this whole chapter about uh, sex work, and people want to call it sex work, and and sort of liberate that term, and and I guess and all that comes with that. And Chris Hedges' argument is nobody's born wanting to do that. Nobody says, I want to grow up and be a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there are situations in life that force people into those systems. And this, I think this show does a wonderful job of, of discussing and unpacking that. And it's also just wildly funny and crazy. It's like Tarantino on steroids. Um, oh, dang. Well, so you're selling it's, me on it. I'm a little yeah, scared, also but set, you're selling Spanish, me Also <laughs> Spanish set in Spain. Watching that... Um, yeah, I don't. Sorry. Oh, you're good. No you know, that's my dog. 
my assistant. Love so it. that's yeah, I I watch everything. I'm watching a ton of stuff, but those are the t- reading and and watching. Those are the like two that are top of mind right now. So, nice. so awesome. that the show is second season. Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna go check that out probably right after this. That sounds fascinating. How about you, Nick? What are you up to these days? So actually, this morning I finished a really good thriller that I heard was adapted into a not very good movie. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the movie based on the book "Those Who Wish Me Dead." Um, <laughs> it's Michael Courtya. Oh, okay. For those who can't see, shaking. Jay is shaking his head horribly. Um, I, I'll tell you this: I love Taylor Sheridan, and everything that that man has has for a career is like everything I could ever dream of. So I would see it based on that. Um, the draft of the script that I have has way too many writers on it, so that's probably not a great sign either. But I can already tell, having watched the trailer after finishing the book, that that it's not even going to be remotely close to what the book is about. <laughs> um, I feel like they have the leads terribly mixed up. But either way, uh, very solid book, Andrew. So I definitely read that one. Um, let's see. I read a book called Talent is Overrated. That was really good. Um, I just bought a book... Um, called the fantasy fiction formula about writing fantasy books just for curiosity's sake and let's see honestly I'm all things Olympic right now I just I'm watching the Olympics like crazy I'm devouring as many as of the fun unique sports that exist in this world so and I'm going probably crazier for when uh, countries who've never won a medal before win one so there was a gal from the Philippines who won the first gold medal for that country ever and it was in weightlifting uh, that to me has been like the peak of excitement is watching those countries who do, have never won medals before win them and just the insane joy um, is intoxicating. Or even, I guess the other example would be um, there's a gal from Alaska who won the gold in 100-meter breaststroke um, who, when they were doing the announcements, were they glossed right over her because it was more about the American girl who had wagged her finger at the Russian gal four years ago and, and their rivalry. And then this chick who's 17 from Alaska where there's one 50 meter pool in the whole state <laughs> wins. You, and then they show like shots of like her school, like everybody erupting as she wins. Like you can't believe it. Like, yeah. ah, like that's every reason in the world to watch sports. It's, it is so edge of your seat, biting your nails. Just, uh, so I've been devouring the Olympics lately. Um, so yeah, what about you, Brenda? What are you on in right now? Uh, I need to do more Olympics. I know that. I, uh, I, I love the opening ceremonies. That's one of my favorite things. And I missed it this year because it was the only time we could have, post-pandemic, we've been missing out on our bad movie nights. So we had friends come over and we watched uh, two Neil Breen movies back to back. You guys familiar? Not. Yep, you're familiar? <laughs> We watched back to back. We watched uh, his third movie and his fifth movie. They're the only two you can buy on Amazon. And if you go through him, he sells low res DVDs for thirty bucks a piece. So oh my god! We watched uh, proud th- of those discs. Yep. He <laughs> burns them on his computer and sells them. But we watched Twisted Pair first. That was his later oh movie, gosh. and it was it was bad, and I loved it. We watched Faithful Findings, which was more competent uh, and more enjoyable at the same time because there's a certain level of competence I feel like a bad movie needs to have to make it watchable and Twisted Pear almost didn't get there if you get too incompetent it just becomes painful but no really enjoyed it really had a great time strong recommend for very few people 
You do. <laughs> uh, so we did that. Uh, we, we watched Black Widow. I enjoyed it. I think it would have been a lot better if it came out four years ago, but I really did have a good time with it. Um, last night, I went with my dad and went and saw the Anthony Bourdain movie. And How was that? Excellent. It I'm is stealing myself. Excellent. It's tough, but it's excellent. Yeah. Talk about a movie that just fills you with I mean just the beauty of the world and the pain and and the loneliness that we can cause to each other and I, I think it's a movie that almost everybody should see I think it's helps it'll make you a better person um, he had a huge impact on my life and which sounds so trite yeah. because I never knew him or met him but but I get it when we think about it. celebrity yeah like mm-hmm. uh, celebrity deaths usually don't do anything for me that I, or to me it it crushed me. I said the exact uh, same thing to my father last yeah. night that I've never really yeah. felt a celebrity death. Like, I'll, I, it's a bummer and I feel bad, but that one, that one's the first time I was hit hard. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Because it's, I think it fits in this movie. He does such a good job of showing you the humanity of the cultures, of the people, and letting you feel just this. I don't know. I don't know. If you, you feel like you're, 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 soaking in the places that he goes mm-hmm. and and yep. I yeah no yep. I think he's done amazing good in the world and it's it's worth watching it's a very good yep. movie I watched Luca on Disney Plus and I really enjoyed it I, I like that I don't know it was the simplest movie Pixar's done in a long while and I, I appreciated that it's mm. uh, a good point yeah finally start down and start Bojack Horseman it's great there you it's go. as good as everybody says it is <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've done a lot. I could keep going on. Oh, I do, I do want to bring up. So you have those movies that you loved as a kid, and you assume you, that they're terrible as an adult. Yeah, Secret of Nim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually sat down because my dislike of Roland Emmerich has been very clear. I've made that obvious in the podcast. Man, oh I gosh. really enjoyed watching Independence Day this year. <laughs> I haven't seen that in years, but eight-year-old me came back out, and I really enjoyed that movie. So welcome to Earth. <laughs> yep. Today we celebrate our Independence Day. Oh my gosh! So yeah, what a great speech. But yeah, that's that's, that's been what I, it's been a lot, but it's been a good month of stuff. Fantastic. Well, yeah. shoot, Jay, thanks for being on the show, man. This has been absolutely awesome. I love discussing this with you, and we'll have to do it again, bro. Amen. Can't wait. Thanks. Right. Enjoyed awesome. it. Take thanks care, everybody. guys. Bye. We'll catch you in the next one. Later.